nice to see old faces, <laughs> including mine. <laughs> I wanted this in front. I like standing behind something, then I, I don't feel so threatened by everyone. So, um, yeah, it's really good to be back here and actually to see everyone. And it is interesting, some people don't change at all and others just get greyer and older and more wrinklier and they can't walk so much. But it's still really nice to come back and it's like you've been away but then you're back and then you go again and then some people are here and some people aren't. But it's really good. As you can see, I have to now wear glasses to read anything at all. So, but I'm, everything else is fine. So thanks again for your, it's been about a year and a half, over a year and a half since I've been back with my mother and um, so lots have really happened. Um, Lots is happening in Vietnam, lots is happening in China. China I suppose is a more uh, dramatic progression. Vietnam is more of a, um, it's all established there now so it tends to be uh, more ongoing. Um, I actually have got a video which I won't show just yet um, you might have seen it, you might not, but um, I've chosen the one without any words and then I can talk about it afterwards. Um, that will show you a little bit about what's been happening in Vietnam and a little bit um, which has been happening in China. It's, it's much easier to actually see what's happening. Now some of you are actually coming out, so you'll be getting a better um, picture when you come out. And uh, when you come back, I want to send um, a little small little uh, either PowerPoint or whatever you can use so that you can see our village house. Um, in the DVD, you, don't, you only see the foundations and it going up. Um, it's actually finished now, but the final wall is going in the, to make the courtyard and the grass is going down like now. I think it was down yesterday. So I didn't want to show half-baked photos because it doesn't really work. Um, it's actually much better to get a picture of it when it's actually finished. Otherwise, it just looks like any other place. Um, I'll start off with Vietnam. We still have a team out there. Uh, the staff team, uh, the ones that are the mentoring all the staff, um, it's now all Vietnamese, which is really good. We have Tao, um, who's the director of Sozo. She's uh, in her late 40s now. Um, she's disabled, she got, um, in the, uh, the war, she got uh, a, a shrapnel through the spine, so she's actually paralysed from the waist down. But um, she's doing really well, she's heading up the whole thing for the staff. And through that, over the years, um, we've basically told her, you need to be raising up your own supervisors. And all the way through the supervisors that are now over the staff have, have actually been raised up through SOZO. Um, through our discipleship programs and everything else that we've been done. So all the supervisors are now Christians. This year we had two more baptisms for our two supervisors um, and so now there's five, five main supervisors and they're in charge of normal staff operations, you know, counselling, spiritual development, welfare of, of the staff and everything. The staff, instead of it being just street kids, um, it's really morphed into something a little bit different because um, I don't know if you've seen pictures of Ho Chi Minh City. Now it's like everywhere else that's been developing. It's a huge modern city. Um, there are still huge needs there, but it's very, very different from when we first started. Um, when we first started, we were like the nicest, the best, 
coffee shop in the whole of Vietnam, I would say. Um, and now there are Starbucks-type uh, coffee shops, very ultra-modern coffee shops, um, and we can't compete with that, but we never were competing with that. So we've actually managed to be, be there, make a profit, and be able to stay stable for all these years, which is amazing considering so many businesses have shut. But because of that, it's kind of changed into the, the kids that were needy, they've been sent out to the countryside, the government does more now on looking after families, which is all a good thing. So it means that you, your original vision for the kids then <coughs> has to change, otherwise you become redundant. And now there's just a lot of disabled people, um, hearing impaired, physically challenged, um, that are actually working with us. Uh, not only that, we've also got some tribal people and also some poorer uh, kids as well. So it's just a little bit different. You walk in and it does help disadvantaged people, not just kids anymore, which is a really good thing. Um, that side is very stable. Um, we've, it's been going now since 2005. What started off as a three-year vision and project, it's now 2012, so it's quite a few years. Uh, it's, it's, it was self-sustaining from year one, which is what we always wanted it to be. So, we still do get donations in and that's really useful. It tends to be from um, big uh, companies now in Ho Chi Minh City um, that want to give to charity. So, like we can upgrade our cappuccino machine, which will be 4,000 US dollars, which is probably a little bit beyond us, but they'll give us that and then they give us something else. So it's really become very good. So it's stable. The police have laid off because they realise we're not too much of a threat to the stability of the government in Vietnam and they're better off leaving us alone. We are still, I got the, the, the latest Lonely Planet, we're still in there, which just about blows my mind because they tend to change people over the years and, and things change and it's like, oh, it's not as good as it used to be. But actually, as far as the business and the, 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 the whole vision of it, it's still fresh and it's still going on. Um, the landlord, amazingly, wants to sign a, anything up to a 10-year contract on the building now, which is really good for us, um, because of the, the, the rents are just rocketing. When we first started, it was expensive. It was 900 US dollars a month, and we thought that was so hard because a coffee was like less than 20 cents if you, in US dollars. So we had to sell a lot. Um, now the rent is up to two and a half thousand US dollars a month. Um, and we're still selling, we're still managing to make ends meet. We have 25 staff and the minimum wage has gone from 600,000 and we're now paying our minimum wage is two and a half million a month. It sounds a lot, but it is quite a lot. So there's not been a, dollars. not dollars, there's been a huge jump in uh, the economic uh, turnaround. So that's why lots of businesses are actually shutting. Um, lots of foreign companies are coming in and pumping in, uh, you know, IBM, IKEA, all of those, but they're never long term in Vietnam because it's so hard to still do a business. It still will drain their money into the government. So we're very pleased with that. Our landlord, 
He's very nice. In 1993, I've seen the contracts, he bought our building, um, he owns it, and he paid 3,600 US dollars for it. I would have liked to have bought it in 1997. It was then up to 80,000 US dollars. Now it's up to 2 million US dollars for the bit of land that we're on. So it's, there, it's not a sustainable economy, but we see, we are, we've had huge favour from the landlord and from the government that we can actually survive in uh, a place like that. And so we don't really want to move. So you can pray that we don't move there. With that, we've still got our three floors. We're still operating. Um, English Corner, which we had to stop. And we called it Tea Talk. Uh, the government was very clear on that, so we changed it, but now, again, they don't bother us. Um, it went from one night a week, then to two nights a week, then to three nights a week, and now it's four nights a week. We don't have enough space. We don't have enough people to actually reach out to all these people that are coming. So we have different evenings for different people. Young businessmen, they come. We have students, they come. We have older students, they come. And it just is over a whole spectrum. So we have a, a, an individual person over each of the categories for English Corner. And what we do in that, it is just practicing English. But through that, it then fuels our programs that we do at the weekend, uh, which is, first of all, we then do social programs. We actually do legal social programs with legal orphanages, legal old people's homes. We go and clean up the streets and we get people involved from the English corners to actually start volunteering and doing work. Through that, it then whittles them down to people that actually want to be helping in their own society. From that, then, we form the relationships and then from those groups, um, new groups for, that, that we do Alpha with comes through. So we are constantly holding Alpha, well, pre-Alpha, Alpha, post-Alpha, and every other Alpha you could think of, and every other discipleship. Our biggest problem is we don't have enough workers. We don't have enough people to disciple these people. And everyone says, oh, it's Vietnamese. It's not. Everything's conducted in English. Everything. That's number one. Number two, they're there. You don't have to go out and pull them in. They're there. They're knocking at the door. We're having to turn them away. And really, it's just head up by one girl, Anya. She's been German. She's been with us for years and years and years. And we get volunteers in. Matt Watt from uh, former Canterbury. I turned on my Skype and there he is. I'm like, oh my gosh, he didn't even tell me he's coming out. It kind of, in Vietnam, it, it operates as a its own little entity, so it's really, really good. I don't have to micromanage it or anything like that. It's running really well. So because we can't get the foreigners to actually be discipling more, um, what we're actually doing is raising up teams of the students um, and they're actually doing all the work. Um, it's, not, it's not ideal, but it's working. We've got a, um, Christine, she's Singaporean, her husband works. They run some of the groups. Uh, for the young, young guys. We have uh, loads and loads and loads of young guys come out. 
Uh, we've got a couple of Germans there now, a married couple. They're also uh, from a Bible school. They're also doing discipleship. But it's, it's a, on a short-term basis. It's three or four months or six months and, and then we have to replace them. So what's happening is, is we're doing character first. Have you heard of character first? No? Character first is there's, there's 59 different character traits like honesty, integrity, all that sort of thing that we as people have that exist. And that's actually um, being taught now. Young people want to be able to improve their character. How can I improve myself? How can I get a better job? And it's a Christian-based curriculum that's actually been based in in America. Well, we've been trained by uh, the church in Penang and um, we also run this every single week at Sozo for another set of people. We put the Christian emphasis, but you can either put it as Christian emphasis or non-Christian emphasis. It doesn't really matter. We are invited into the universities now, but we don't have really enough people to do it. Um, to go and teach at the universities all these Christian principles openly by the universities. We don't have enough people to do it. So we now have six teams of between six and eight Vietnamese students raised up and trained to teach Character First, to lead Alpha, to do all of that and we're having to send them out to be doing it, which is great, but they also need discipleship themselves. So at the moment it's... um, It's really, really good, but we really, really do need more people. Um, We need older people, we need younger people, we need any people. Um, So it's it's just been a a lot of stuff happening there this year. But it's all good. So we're very happy with what's happening. So you'll see a little bit of Vietnam on here. And uh, when you see Vietnamese teaching Vietnamese, they've come up through our groups and now they're um, teaching all these different (coughs) curriculum. And they have been trained. We've had... Um, trainers come in from our, the church in Malaysia about nine or ten times to come in and train them and they're fully trained in doing all the teaching that we have there. Um, we haven't had time to send people out for more alpha training but that's okay, we've got a really solid program that we've morphed and it's very easy to follow. So that's very good. So Vietnam is doing well. Um, as far as China is concerned, we've just, it's always things are long term. Um, We've now realised that you know long term is the best. Um, so we are planning to be long term in Dali. Um, we, I say we, that's the team. The team will change over the years, I feel sure, but um, that's really where our base is. And we've been looking at doing a lot about the last three years. What is church? What does it look like? What does it look like when you have two people that? They're the only Christians in the town and when you meet together, what are you supposed to do? What does church look like? And church is the people, so even if you have two people, it's still church. But what does it look like? How do you make that work? You know, you can't have a preacher, you can't have a music, music group, you'd be running around it. what is church? So we've had to go really back to basics about what it all is. And um, I have come to the, the conclusions, well, we've all come to conclusions, it's all about community. It's all about where you are. So like this place is a building in a community and that's great. It's actually a little mini mission station. And that's what we are really feeling for um, the house that we built in the village. Um, It's in the village because the village is 
all around us, they're totally unreached. They're by people. They have a different language to Mandarin. They do speak Mandarin, but it's very different. Um, they're farmers. They're poor, and there's not there's no real Christian witness. There's a few older by people that are Christians, but that's it. So we've now moved into the village to actually, it's like, we'll have a house, we'll make it community, we'll have people stay there, we'll be there all the time, it will give us a, we'll be part of the village. And that's great, that's one thing. But not only that, it's really going back to the old mission stations of old, which I never could understand why they had them. It's like, why do you have a mission station? You put it there, you put a wall around it, all the Christians are inside, all the non-Christians are outside. What good is that? But actually that's only our perception when we read books and we see pictures. Um, We've actually got a house and we've actually built a wall around it. But it's for security, number one, and it's also part of the culture. All the houses have a courtyard. And um, we've, we've, we've built it so that it will open up into the courtyard And even now, I'll be upstairs and several of the villagers will walk in and they'll say hi and they go to the window and then they'll sit on the couches and it's like, do you want a cup of tea? And they're like, yeah, we'll have a cup of tea. And then they wander around, they look in the bedrooms and I think that's been one of the cultural things for my mother is that she's got her, her hotel room on the ground floor and it's her room. And unfortunately, we've had to be building a path to her room because they, people don't come to the reception over here. They actually go to my mother. They see her and they're like, oh, that's strange. And they walk in her room and they open her cupboards and they pick up her things. And my mother, to start with, used to get very upset about it all. Isn't that right? But actually, there is no thing as privacy. People want to see what you're doing, how you live, and that's really good for us because if we're Christians and we're living different, differently, then people will know that. So we've made the house very basic. It's very, very basic, but it's still much better than theirs. And we want to be a big, um, have a big effect in the village. Uh, we've been agreed by all the elders to be there. That was our planning permission. Um, and we're building toilets for our landlady um, because we've rented the land for 20 years. Uh, and so we built a house on it, and in 20 years she gets the house and the land back. Um, so it's, we're going to be there long term. We want to make a difference in the village. So now when there's a wedding or a funeral or a name day, we're always invited. Um, language-wise for me, I can get by, but it's definitely not good enough. Um, this year we've got all the staff in place. I want to be doing more as far as language study. But Rachel, she's been at the university for two years. This is her third year. She's pretty good. We can do alpha now in Chinese. So we have the student side, which is the university side. So Rachel's made lots of friends. She hangs out at the university. A group of friends come, and her and Abby, Abby's from Singapore, um, they've been running alpha, several alpha groups. We've had several baptisms. Um, Hang, our Vietnamese, staff. She's also got baptised this year which was the highlight of my year I think. We've waited so many years. She's been a Christian, she's been doing it but she wouldn't call herself a Christian because the biggest thing is for them is the baptism. Once you get baptised there's no turning back. That's the real thing. So although she was saved, you know, we knew she was a Christian, 
that was the big thing. She had to say bye-bye to her boyfriend, like, this isn't going to work, we're not going to get married, sorry parents, you know, I'm going to be in China, I'm going to be doing this, this and this. And she invited everyone to a baptism, which was great. It's just like, we try and make it very low-key and everything, and all of a sudden, half the town's invited, and we're like, oh, no. <laughs> but it was really good. So, um, so, lots of things like that. We're actually doing the baptisms, we prayed around the whole lake, and we really, really, really wanted to find a, pl- a place with a village, a village with the road and right on the lake. And um, by faith, we, 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 Tracy and I had spent hours and hours and hours going around. And we found this village, it was friendly. Um, we prayed around it and there was an area we wanted to rent a house in. We just, just couldn't, no one would rent it. It was too expensive. And uh, so when we did our first baptism last year, we baptised them right there where we wanted to get the impossible. We knew this was where it was. And then instead of renting a house, we thought, why don't we rent the land in front of the house? And that's what we did. So it's right there from when our very first baptism takes place. So we're really, really thrilled that this is the place. So um, also, because it's, uh, there's bedrooms there as well, people can stay there, we want to use it as a retreat just for people, just for Christians that come up from Kaming or other people, they can come, they can stay there, they can rent it out so it recoups a little bit of money for us um, and they can pray there. You know, there's no TV, no internet, no nothing, it's quiet. And I've been reading a lot about, you know, doing the boiler rooms and everything else and it's like, we, I would really like somebody to be there every single day um, praying. Not like we're going to have 24-hour prayer at the moment, but it will be more of a retreat place. So we're really excited about that as well. Um, it's just literally, as I say, starting. So it's very interesting. Uh, we do have our challenges. Um, lots of challenges with the little old by ladies. We were at a name day the other day, um, which is a big party, huge one. We've got to have a big party. You might be lucky enough to be there when we do it, but it will be crazy because it's food for the whole village. You know, pigs slaughtered and, I mean, it will just be madness. Um, but I saw them in front of the house, so I went down to the lake with uh, Tracy and Shanine and Gracia, uh, who's Malaysian, and there they were with all their little joysticks and down by the lake they, they make little altars and they're, they're actually sacrificing to the gods for... Um, the baby. So we're asking them, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? And it's all very colourful stuff. And there's a pig there and there's, there's lots of food. And it happens a lot to us. Um, then they, they've done all their sacrifices and we're talking to them. And then they pick up the, the, the pork and they break it off. And they're like, eat. And I don't have a problem eating food um, that's been you know, a sacrifice to idols. I don't have that problem. Gracia, who's Malaysian, she does. The Chinese, they do. So they said, don't be frightened, don't be frightened. You're fine to eat it. So uh, we've done this lots of times in Vietnam. So we did it and it's like, well, next time when we meet up with these little old ladies, we'll actually explain to them why we don't need to. Um, We don't need to eat it because we're Christians. And we've just started now to be sharing in the villages. Um, Penny's actually been going around visiting an old man that's got a huge... um, ulcer, really huge. Um, we found him by accident when we were delivering blankets and we go back every single week 
Um, he became a Christian two days ago. It's the first one that uh, Croatia's like, what? How long have we been visiting him? And I said, well, it's been about a year. I think we have now got enough relationship to share. And we don't want to do it the first time we're there because they think this is why we're here. Um, so, Mr. Yang became a believer, so it's great. So, we're really excited that he is. And um, then there's lots of other people. So, it's a very slowly, slowly because we're there for a long term. So, that's how it's developing. Student work on one side, um, teams coming in to help. We've been doing lots of intercession teams. Um, bike intercession with CCSM, that's a long one. Shanine and a couple of others, they did, uh, Jacob, 650 kilometres in six days. They were doing a planning trip. That's a lot, especially when it's like this, up and down, up and down. But we've got teams coming and they're cycling through the valleys. We do a whole loop. So there's one small loop and there's a bigger loop and there's a bigger loop. And um, we really feel that we're going praying around the areas, praying through everything, and then we can go and deliver packets. And these are the areas that church actually got formed from us doing packets 15 years ago. There's a church in a village just because we delivered packets. And we had the testimony from that. So we're really excited that it does work. Um, so it's, this is what we're doing at the moment. We're also doing a lot of spiritual mapping in Dali itself because there's lots of strongholds that need breaking. Um, but I did meet a couple of old ladies they came and stayed at our guest house and I'm like, I had to arrange a taxi for them and I spoke to this historian that was with her and they said, oh, they were born here in China. They were in their 80s. They were part of one of the missionary families that were nearby and they started telling me stories about Dali and they were trying to find this old um, missionary graveyard that's behind the mosque now and I'm just like, no problem, we'll find it. So when you come, you might be traipsing through fields. If we can find the old missionary of Isabel Kuhn's, you know, days and all of that, and Joe Frazier's, the Bible school in town's still there, it's still going. But if we can find the, the graveyards again, um, which is right behind the mosque, but it will mean getting muddy and everything, then we want to say, okay, you know, this is... This is something of old. This is where the people of old were buried that were the first Christians here. You know, we need to show that and honour that and then we can go into other strongholds in the town and try and break those strongholds. So, it's quite exciting. Um, so, maybe we'll show the, if you can get it working, which you should be able to. Helen's very good. Yeah, it's only seven minutes and I'll talk a little bit and then we'll finish. So I think that was, uh, that gave you an idea of uh, what we've been doing. Um, a bit worried about somebody going down and labelling out muck out of the... Yeah, I, I don't know whether you've got that on the list for us. Well, I haven't because it got cleared out. We have a bit of a problem um, and that's when you get there you will ask me, now why do we not put toilet paper down the toilet? That's the reason. It's, um, we, the, the, the drainage system in the whole of China isn't great, so it's not really a septic tank. It's basically a tank. So we didn't even know where our tank was. It had functioned perfectly well, and then all of a sudden it's just like toilets weren't flushing, there was bad smell, and I went in and I suddenly saw it all backlogged up. So nearly three years' worth of it. So 
we had to find where it was, where the tank was, and um, I broke it open. We broke open the tank because it's, it's sealed. It's concrete sealed. And we broke it open and it's just like, oh my gosh. And we had this team there. I mean, I, we got covered in it anyway. But um, the team, and the really nice guy there, he says, don't worry. He said, I'll do it. And he was ladling it. We got some ladles. And we ladled out. We've got this huge um, wheelbarrow. And he ladled out like four wheelbarrows of it. We got our staff to ladle it into the fields. And then um, we, it was still stuck somewhere. We got one of these wiggly worms, but it didn't work. And so he said, I'll find out. And he took his shirt off and he went under and he went through. And there were two tanks. And it was the other tank that then got done. So if you want to know why you don't put toilet paper in our toilets, that's the reason. You might not be the one to have to dig it out, but somebody will. So, yeah, we had that the other week as well. So, but no, that's the reason. So, short-term teams can do anything, and it does help if you ladle muck. So, and the little girl with the helmet on and everything—that's Jacob's little girl—and she does everything with the students. He uh, straps her on his back, and they go rappelling. She does a 50-meter rappel, and she dangles between his legs. Down, down, down. She's totally fearless. He hangs her on top of the door frames and lets her go and she hangs there. So, mother doesn't approve. <laughs> but, yeah, so that's what we're doing and uh, so please, you know, continue to pray for us. Thank you. And uh, you'll be doing some of that when you come out as well. Hopefully not the toilet one. Okay. All right, well, Okay, sure. Okay, um, you've got plenty to do here before you before you go back. So I'm sure you'd like some prayer for all the sorting out you've got to do here. Yes, thank you very much, John. That gets all done.